welcome to The Parent Pod, a happy place to find out all about pregnancy and the start of parenthood from the information-packed babycentre.co.uk. Hello, I'm Lucy. And I'm Claire. And we're here with a podcast for every week of your pregnancy, full of really useful takeaway information, candid admissions from our own experiences, having both had two children, and top advice from experts. We won't leave you holding the baby either. This podcast series takes you right up to when your new baby is 12 weeks old. I think by this stage, you're beginning to make friends with your slip-on shoes, aren't you? Yeah, my husband got quite good at painting toenails for me. Saved me a fortune, though. Wow. However you're coping with your new gorgeous shape, sit back and let's see what's going on for you and your baby. Roll on 31 weeks. What's happening for baby? Okay, this week your baby weighs about the same as a coconut, Claire, about 1.5 kilograms. So if you're carrying twins, you really do have a lovely pair of coconuts. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, an excuse to break into song. He's really looking more like a newborn as well, as he starts to shed the kind of fine lanugo hair that we've talked about. From head to heel, he's about 41 centimetres long as well. And believe it or not, he still has plenty of growing to do. He'll gain at least 900 grams before birth. And all of that chubbing out means that his wrinkled skin is slowly becoming more smooth. Ah, smooth as a baby's bottom, Claire. Oh, yeah. I know your kids aren't fussy eaters, are they? No, they're pretty good. Well, that could be down to the food you ate in pregnancy. Mm. Whatever you eat now may give your amniotic fluid certain flavours and smells. And your baby's brain and taste buds are mature enough to taste these in the fluids he swallows. Pretty nuts, huh? Amazing. So my babies were getting a taste of curries, bananas and probably bacon. (laughs) Yeah, and there's even some evidence that the food you eat in pregnancy will shape your baby's food preferences when he starts on solids. Didn't you say your little boy loves spag bol? Yeah, it makes sense now. I eat it all through pregnancy. Your baby's growing bigger all the time, so there'll be less room for him to move around in your womb. Tell me about it. Things are getting a bit tight in there. So he's now likely to have his legs drawn right up to his chest, assuming the classic fetal position. But that doesn't slow him down. Oh no, he's still pretty active in there. Yeah, you may notice that his kicks and nudges start to feel different in your third trimester. But his pattern of movements will be the same. For example, if he's usually most active in the evenings, you should continue to feel him at this time. What's happening for you? Okay, mums, how's your back holding up? In these last few months of pregnancy, your growing bump might take its toll on your lower back, but there's plenty you can do to get more comfortable. And comfort is what it's all about right now. Okay, at the risk of stating the obvious, it's best to avoid lifting anything heavy if you can, because it could strain your muscles and ligaments further. Easier said than done if you have a wriggling toddler to look after too, though. I know. If you can't avoid it, then keep whatever you're lifting close to your body with your hands and bend your knees instead of your back. You could also consider speaking to your midwife or seeing a physiotherapist. They may be able to give you a maternity belt, which helps to support your pelvis. They can be brilliant, especially if you have like pelvic girdle pain, can't they? Yeah, they're really good, aren't they? Also, regular exercise is good to help relieve back pain because it strengthens your muscles and helps to improve your posture. Oh, and pregnancy Pilates is good. People who do loads of Pilates, they always seem to like walk really elegantly and and controlled, don't they? I feel a bit jealous of them. (laughs) Me too. I've never been elegant, pregnancy or not. Oh, another really good one is swimming, isn't it? You may find it's more comfortable as the water supports your bump. Did you find that? Did you ever go? I did. I did Uh, try. (laughs) (laughs) And it can be lovely in your third trimester, being in the water. 
Sensible shoes help. You've got to love a sensible shoe. And posture. There's more detailed information about this on the Baby Centre website. So it's worth taking a look rather than us just trying to explain it to you. Another one to think about, it sounds a bit bizarre, is pelvic tilting. Oh, I like the sound of that. (laughs) Okay, it's the least sexy pelvic thrusts ever. (laughs) How you do it is when you're sitting, slowly work your pelvis back and forth rhythmically without moving your shoulders. Okay, so your back comes round and then arched. If you have pelvic pain, focus on the forward tilt, which is where you stick your chest and bottom out, if you can do that. Is this right? I think so. <laughs> I'm feeling quite hot under the collar. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. Well, before we do, I've got a couple more tips. Sleep matters. We've talked about it before. And getting into a comfortable position, using pillows to pop yourself up on your side. That's really important for your back. Again, more information on the website. And what about a TENS machine? They're good in labour. Can they help? Oh, absolutely. A TENS machine is a really good thing to try, although the weirdest sensation I've ever felt in my life. And just remember that if your job involves lifting, then make sure that you've had a risk assessment. Don't be afraid to ask for help either. Yes, that's equally true at home. The asking for help bit. I mean, a risk assessment might be a little bit over the top. Too much to ask. Okay, this week we're going to hear about something that can be a bit of a taboo, Lucy. We're asking, I'm terrified of coping as a parent. Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? I think we've all had those moments. Did you feel like that? I definitely have. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone is a bit terrified, aren't they? And it's such an unknown before you have a baby. And things you think will be easy often aren't. And then you surprise yourself by being able to cope with a complete lack of sleep and much better than you thought you would. Yeah, it's definitely the fear of the unknown, isn't it? I remember first time round, I think I was really naive to it all and what to expect. But then actually, weirdly, I think I felt more nervous second time because I knew what to expect. <laughs> and I think I felt a bit worried about how I'd cope with a toddler and a baby. I just right. kept thinking crumbs, am I going to manage it all? Am I going to manage it? And also my mum loved bits, but she did keep saying things like, it's more than double the work, Lucy, which wasn't helpful when I was then pregnant and going to have two under two. Oh, <laughs> it's something that can affect any of us. Here's Amy, who wrote Confessions of a Single Mum, what it's like when you're expecting the unexpected, to tell us how she felt before her baby was born. I think I would recommend that um, if you can join an antenatal group because I didn't. And now when I look at the mums of Freddie's friends, they're still in touch with them. And I think it's really nice to have um, peers who are going through exactly the same thing as you because you can always... They can lend you an ear and they're going to be going through the same thing. So they're going to completely understand it. Whereas I restricted myself to my friends who had absolutely no idea uh, what a third degree tear was. And uh, they don't know what a Vontus is. What do you remember worrying about before you had your baby? I remember appreciating suddenly the the responsibility that I was not no longer going to be responsible for just me, but for a whole other human entirely. And so if I messed anything up, that's his whole life. That felt huge. But I think that's like anything in life. If you stop and observe the enormity, then it overwhelms you. So just taking it day by day was quite important with that one. Somehow, when my baby arrived, I met this little person. That feeling of just that unconditional simplicity of this relationship. And that's what makes being a mother so fantastic thanks to amy for speaking so openly there i think we all feel as though we won't be able to cope from time to time don't we 
Yeah, and if you're not feeling adequate, then you're feeling guilty about something. I mean, that's motherhood for you, isn't it? Yeah, parenthood. (laughs) Guilty all the time or worried. Sometimes just the thought of something like the coping or how you're going to afford not to be at work. It's worse than actually living it, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's the worrying at night with, you know, at 3 a.m. more than actually, like, the next day it's like, oh, it's actually fine. I can still cope on two hours sleep. (laughs) What do you expect this week? So we're looking ahead to labour and in particular assisted birth this week. Yes, and assisted birth is when your baby needs help to be born with instruments that attach to her head. That sounds nice, doesn't it? (laughs) You might also hear it called an instrumental or operative vaginal birth. And I think the stat is that about one in eight births is assisted. Yes, I think it often happens when labour has gone on for a while and mum and baby are tired. A long, slow labour is more likely if you're expecting your first baby. You may also have an assisted birth if you have a condition such as a heart condition, which means you shouldn't go on for too long. Yeah. And also if your baby needs her head position altering slightly just to get her into the right place to progress with birth. So based on statistics for England, I'm going to give you a few more bits of info here, Lucy. About one in five first time mums has an assisted birth compared with one in 14 mums who have had a baby before. Okay. So it does get better, which gives that previous figure of one in eight overall. Let's talk about the kit that might come into this. The two I know are forceps and von Toos. So should we start with forceps? What are they like? Okay, forceps look a bit like two stainless steel salad servers that fit together. (laughs) Yeah, barbecue tongs, I remember them well. Yeah, salad servers, barbecue tongs, take your pick. There's a handle at one end and the other end has two curves which kind of cradle your baby's head when they put them inside and onto your baby. Did you have those, Claire? Didn't you say to me before? Yes, they got them out and stuck one of them up. They had a bit of a play around, if I remember rightly, and then decided on a C-section. In fact, I'll always be thankful to the doctor because um, she said to me at the time, I think we're going to end up with stitches everywhere, so let's cut our losses and go for a C-section. And I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) So, yeah, the baby plunger. Yeah, the baby plunger, also known as the von Toos. Spelled a bit strange, a bit of a weird word, that one. It's a vacuum extractor, so it's got kind of got a cup attached to a suction device and a handle to pull on. Sounds a bit medieval, yeah. but <laughs> the cup fits on top and towards the back of your baby's head if they use it, and a vacuum's then created within the cup. So the cup is actually made of soft or semi-rigid plastic or even metal. The vacuum's created by a handheld pump or a suction machine. So I remember we're looking at them in antenatal classes. Did you look at them? Yeah, I think they definitely got them out, didn't they? Yeah. And uh, passed them around as a... It does look like a baby plunger. I remember one dad to be in a antenatal class actually stuck it on his own head. There's always one. (laughs) And he couldn't get it off. Oh, no. And he ended up with this massive purple bruise. I mean, it's quite a big thing, actually. Yeah, and it's really strong, isn't it? Yeah, and he's a teacher and he had to go to school this huge. I mean, it was huge, honestly. Oh, bless him. That's hilarious. Yeah. So in terms of avoiding assisted birth, I mean, I guess it's not always possible. And I suppose it's sometimes the best option. Yeah, it's not always possible to avoid an assisted birth, but there are a few things you can do to try and reduce your risk. So having your baby at home or a birth centre reduces your chances of having an assisted birth. Also, once you're in labour, there are some things that can help. Oh, I feel a list coming on. So top tips for reducing your chances of needing von Toos or forceps. Okay, you know me well, Claire, I like a list. So first off, having continuous support from birth partner or doula is a great one. That makes sense. Yeah, and also keeping upright in labour or lying on your side for birth. So rather than being on your back, 
how your your positioned is really important. Okay, and what about if you have an epidural? If you've had an epidural, then apparently it can help to wait at least an hour after you're fully dilated so that your baby's head can descend further into the birth canal or until you feel the urge to push before trying to push your baby out. Also, using a hormone drip can help too. Okay, so if you do end up having an assisted birth, then let's run through what happens. So before an intervention, your doctor will explain why you need an assisted birth what your options are, the risks and benefits of the different approaches. She'll observe your bump and examine you internally to check your baby's position and make sure that an assisted birth is the right thing to offer you. She'll then decide which instrument to use and talk this through with you. Yeah, it's really important you're involved in the decision as much as you can be, isn't it? Yeah. If your doctor thinks an assisted birth is possible but could be difficult, then it's likely you'll be moved to the operating theatre. That's in case you might need a caesarean. Yeah, that's what happened to me. And whether you're in a delivery room or in a theatre, your legs will be placed in stirrups or supports on either side of the bed. It's always a good look. And the end of the bed will be removed. You'll need an empty bladder, so a thin tube or catheter attached to a bag may be put in your bladder to empty it. This can be a bit uncomfortable, but I have to say, I don't even remember that happening. I know. I think that's the thing with a lot of the stuff in labour. You don't actually know it's going on, do you? They might be saying stuff, but it just all kind of happens and you're not aware, are you? That's the thing. Like, we're going through minute detail here Mm. and it feels like, oh, and this happened and this happened. But actually, I mean, it all happens in a flash. Yeah. People do explain to you what's going on, but by that point, you really don't care. You're just like, crack on. And uh, you're so within it. Get this baby out. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a mad time giving birth, isn't it? You, You just, yeah. You don't really kind of care. No. And you're going to be given pain relief, aren't you, going through all these stages. So it could be an injection inside your vagina, an epidural or spinal anaesthetic. Your baby's heartbeat will be monitored throughout all of this going on. Yeah, your baby's being well monitored. That's reassuring. It's like a paediatrician will be called to the delivery room. This is normal for an instrumental birth, so try not to worry. It's not a sign that anything's wrong. It's just standard for assisted births. If you're having a von delivery, then the doctor or specially trained midwife will carry out the procedure. The midwife will place the Bontu's cup on your baby's head inside your vagina. And the cup fits on top of your baby's head rather than around it. Once the cup's placed on your baby's head, the air's sucked out of it to kind of create a vacuum. And then the doctor will ask you to push on your next contraction. But don't worry if you've had an epidural and you can't feel your contractions. Your doctor or midwife is going to tell you what to look out for and let you know when it's time to push. She'll pull on the cup to help your baby out. Sometimes the cup comes off the baby's head, which even if it sounds alarming, isn't. It won't harm your baby. If your baby isn't moving down with each pull, your doctor will stop trying. She'll also abandon the Vontus if after three contractions and some good pushing, your baby is still not near to being born. So if the Vontus isn't successful, then what next? Is that when the forceps come into play? Sometimes if Vontus doesn't work, then it may be possible to try using forceps before resorting to a caesarean section. So let's run through what happens if forceps are used. Okay, your doctor will carry out an episiotomy, which is a cut of the perineum. Yeah, and this enlarges the opening to your vagina, so it's easier to use the forceps. The doctor will gently apply the forceps one at a time to each side of your baby's head. Lucy, this might sound pretty intense, but it's important to reiterate that there is pain relief, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. You've got your pain relief going on now. Okay, then the doctor will gently pull with the forceps while you push during a contraction. So what happens if the forceps don't work? If your baby won't budge, your doctor will probably recommend a caesarean. If you have an assisted birth, then your baby will most likely recover really quickly. It might look a bit worrying, but any marks, bruises or swelling on their head are usually temporary and clear up within about a week. A blood blister, if she gets one, may take a few weeks. 
Or some babies might even end up with a slightly cone-shaped head, might they, Claire? Yeah. But that that will all go away. That will go away, don't worry. Yeah, the (laughs) bontes can sometimes pull your head slightly. If you've had an assisted labour, you might want to talk through why things went the way they did afterwards with the midwife or obstetrician who was involved. Yeah, I think that can be really important. Yeah, it might help to make a note of anything that's bothering you about the labour or birth or about how your baby's recovering. I've got a friend that did this and it was really, really helpful going forward. Hopefully you'll have the chance to talk things through before you're discharged from the hospital. But if not, you can always follow up later, can't you? Yeah. And the reassuring takeaway figure is that eight out of 10 women who have an assisted birth have a normal birth next time round. Right. Well, that felt like a lot of information, that section, didn't it? Oh, it did. I'm feeling exhausted. (laughs) I reckon we've covered enough for now. If you want to find out more, including information on the benefits and risks of both, then have a look at the Baby Centre website. Links in the show notes as usual. Okay, all that talk of barbecue tongs has got us hungry. Yeah, and I think I've just remembered <laughs> that the loonie's plunging. <laughs> so that rounds things up for another week. As always, please remember that the podcast don't replace medical advice and you should always speak to your own doctor or midwife if you have any concerns. We hope you stay well, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time at 32 Weeks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to The Parent Pod. If you'd like more expert advice and information, chat to others at your stage of pregnancy or get emails tailored to you and your baby. Download the Baby Centre app now or visit babycentre.co.uk. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Baby Centre UK. All the info we cover in each episode is linked in our show notes. If you loved our podcast and found it useful, please rate and review The Parent Pod wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to share it with your partner and friends.